the Saudi football podcast by Arab News. It's been another busy week, as usual. Big news on and off the pitch, and of course, at home and in Asia. With me, as per, is Arab News sports editor Ali Khaled to discuss the latest developments and digest it all, while our man in Riyadh, Khaled Al-Arafa, reveals what he's been up to this week. Always one of my favourite segments is catching up with our Khaled. Uh, before we discuss all the action, though, a major managerial announcement this week, Ali. Hi, Peter. Good to be back. Uh, yes, uh, I mean, in hindsight, it's been coming, and uh, sure enough, champions al had parted ways with Nuno Espirito Santo in midweek. It's been an inconsistent start to the season, a poor start really, which saw the team drop to sixth place in the SPL. Massive 11 points behind leaders Al-Hilal. The final stroke came on Monday night when the team lost 2-0 to Iraq's Air Force Club in the, in the AFC Champions League. Um, it, in, you know, in the days following that, reports have emerged that at halftime with the team trailing 1-0, Santo criticized Karim Benzema directly, you know, the captain, of course, you know, he, like he directed the, the, the criticism at him, blaming him, for not setting an example for the rest of the team for not like uh, pressing hard enough uh, accusations that the Frenchman, you know, well, as you would imagine, there's didn't take previous. Yeah, yeah, there's been previous. Exactly. He didn't take it too well. Uh, and, uh, you know, Benzema, I think a few weeks ago, again, it was rumored that he told the club, uh, management that he wasn't happy with uh, Santos uh, um, you know methods um, so not at all what the club's fans were expecting this season after you know winning their first title in 14 years so so we'll see where they go from here cast your mind back AK to about four or five episodes ago I did say that while the positives of bringing all of these star players and names in uh, and, and I'm not just saying SPL in general but worldwide football the player is bigger than the coach. The, the player's going to stay there. So it, it's interesting. And I just wanted to look at this. Six wins, three draws and three losses for the champions and no wins in the last five SPL matches. Don't like to see coaches lose their jobs. But aside of that clash, they were in serious danger of being out of the title race so soon. Something you highlighted on our last episode. Mm-hmm. So not surprising, uh, really, that the club have taken that decision. Um, elsewhere, Ali, what were your highlights of the week? Uh, well, I mean, obviously related to that, the big one, uh, the most consequential one, uh, it would turn out to be, was Al-Shabaab beating Al-Etihad 1-0, uh, extending that winless run you, you just mentioned, Peter. Uh, and uh, Khaled Al-Arafa was there, and we spoke to him earlier. Hi, Ali. Hi, Peter. How are you guys? Let me tell you about the match that I covered this week. It was Al-Shabaab against Al-Ittihad. Uh, here in uh, Riyadh, the match ended 1-0 for Al-Shabaab by Carlos Jr. in the first half. Uh, Al-Shabaab is doing a great job. They're coming back to the competition. If we look back five or four weeks ago, the team was really in a bad position. I mean, 10th right now is not acceptable for Al-Shabaab's fans. But obviously, it's much better than the position that they were four or five weeks ago. But at least they're doing something. They're changing. The other side, 
absolutely the opposite, Ali. Al-Ittihad losing points, points, match after match. They even left the King's Cup. They lost their last uh, Asian Champions League match in Iraq. We don't know what's going on with Al-Ittihad. The problem is the, the team is going to play next month in the World Cup for clubs. We don't know if they're ready or not. If, we don't know if they're going to do some changing or not for the coach. We just have to wait and see. After the match, I spoke to Kante, Al-Ittihad's uh, player. He said, well, this result is uh, disappointing. It's not acceptable. We started the match in a good way, but we couldn't win. We need to focus more. We need to work more. And this will not affect us in the World Cup for clubs. It's a different story. Carrasco, the Belgian player from Al-Shabaab, he said, winning is always good. After the arrival of the coach, the team is changing. There's discipline. We're working as a team. The main idea that the coach said, do a good defense. Always do the defense perfectly and try to score. Try to take the counter-attack. And this is what we do. And thank God we won today. And uh, always winning is good. This was uh, a brief of uh, this week's match, Ali. I'll get back to you uh, in the next round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after that, the writing was on the wall uh, for Santo, really. Uh, and, you know, just got confirmed with that loss in the Champions League. Uh, elsewhere, no, no really big surprises. Al-Hilal, uh, we expected them to, uh, to beat Fateh, and they did 2-0 with goals from the unstoppable Alexander Mitrovic uh, and Asian Football of the Year, Salim Dosser, you know. Uh, you know, Al-Nasser continued their fantastic form uh, with the 2-0 win over Khalij. Goals from Cristiano and Laporte. Uh, they're second place now. They stay in second place. They cemented uh, that uh, position now. They, it's really looking like could develop to a two-horse race between them and, and Al-Hilal, especially with all the troubles that Etihad are having. Uh, Al-Ahli won 3-0 three, uh, last week, but followed that up with a 2-2 draw with, the, with Damak at the start of the latest round of action. Uh, so they'll be a bit disappointing with that. Uh, also, slight disappointing draws for Al-Tawan and Etihad last week. Uh, who both drew nil-nil against Damak and Rad, uh, respectively. Our own entertainers there, both of them, that's starting to fade away just slightly, Ali. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, both have drawn the last two matches. They've still done, you know, uh, incredibly well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they run out of steam. Uh, there was also AFC Champions League action for our Saudi quartet. Again, mixed results, though. Yeah, I mean, that's right. We, we already mentioned that loss that, uh, you know, got Santo the sack. No such problems for Hilal, who won 2-0 against Mumbai City to secure progress to the knockout stages from Group D. Uh, you know, once again, the uh, match of the round involved Al Nasser and Al Duhail um, of Qatar. The first match between the two in Riyadh uh, So Al Nasser win a sensational match, 4-3. Uh, they won again in Qatar, 3-2 uh, this time. Philippe Coutinho scored twice for Al-Dahel, but the brilliant Talisco, one of the players of the season for me, scored a hat-trick uh, to seal progress for Al-Nasser to the round of 16. The last of the Saudi teams, Faiha, lost 3-2 at home to UAE's Alain. The bottom of the group, of Group A, uh, not out of it yet. Uh, they're on three points. The, place, the, the teams in second and third are got four. Uh, with two, more, uh, two rounds of matches left, they are not out of it mathematically, but it doesn't look too good for them. Just cast your mind back to last week. Did we say, uh, did you pinpoint that Alain was actually going to be a tough game for Alfire, a, a club that I know well because of the players? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Alain is always tough. I mean, 
they haven't really challenged for a, a AFC supremacy in re, in recent years, and you know they um, they've had a few tough seasons. I mean, last year obviously uh, uh, Shabab Al Ahly in in Dubai won the title, uh, but Alain like remain one of the UAE's toughest teams, and you know uh, at home especially. Good stuff. Okay, that brings us to this week's guest, an old friend of ours and journalist who for years was based here in the MENA region, now lives in Amsterdam. I'm really personally looking forward to discussing the fascinating piece that he wrote for Arab News. Andrew Naji, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Andrew, uh, you wrote a brilliant piece for us last week titled The Fans Who Stare at Goats. Yes. Our, star, <laughs> our star footballers bigger than clubs, you know. Um, uh, an inspired headline. We love that. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, really interesting comment on modern football fans, Andrew. Uh, at least some of them. We can't like generalize, but uh, more and more in the age of uh, social media and celebrity obsessions. I mean, you you, you came up with this. Uh, you know, you you pitched this idea of, you know, are more people just, you know, into football for pure entertainment? You know, following the the uh, the individuals that they like rather than you know, the, the sort of like the stress of following a, a club. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I looked into this a little bit more, I found it's kind of a much bigger phenomenon than, than really even I imagined. But originally it came to me, I was I was working somewhere and I, I employed the tactic that I've used since I was eight on how to make friends by asking which football team people supported and was utterly horrified to learn one guy say, I don't really follow a team, I just enjoy watching players. And I kind of didn't really know how to respond to that. But, of course, it is a, a huge phenomenon. I mean, in, as you touched on, the, the social media times we live in, people can follow a footballer from from breakfast to training to match day to evening. You know, they're, they're an integral part of, of these people's lives. And, and I guess because football is so global now, it's, it's maybe a little unfair to expect someone to follow, follow their local team, as, as was always the way, you know, for me when I was brought up. Yeah, I mean, of course, the two biggest examples uh, which you mention in in your piece as well uh, are Cristiano Ronaldo in Saudi, Messi in the US. You know, everywhere they go, they take their fan their fan base with them. You know, like millions and millions of supporters around the world. Uh, you know, as someone who lives in Europe now, uh, do you see their moves to Saudi, uh, the Saudi Pro League and the MLS? You know, have they raised the profiles of those leagues? Do you see more interest in those two leagues in Europe? Um, um, I mean, we we know amongst fans, uh, you know, you see those yellow and pink shirts everywhere now, you know, like uh, you go on holiday, people are wearing Al Nasser shirt, people are wearing Inter Miami shirt. But in terms of football, do you see like more interest in those leagues, you know, the, with the shift um, of those millions of fans, like we say? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, huge. And Ronaldo obviously was the, the key driver in Saudi, but the the work of the SPL over the summer has kind of cemented that. Um, you know, the whole football world is talking about the SPL. Um, I guess the key to that now is, is the longevity and how they maintain that as opposed to, you know, a, a sort of high-profile big signing. Same with, with Messi, you know. He, he brought a world of celebrity to Miami again. You know, as he drops out, as he becomes injured, whenever he leaves, will people stay? It was the same problem in the 70s for the for the uh, the, the NSCL. Um, it, it's how you keep those fans. But undoubtedly, their profile has raised it. Um, the, the, you know, the, the yellow and blue Al Nasser shirt of Ronaldo is, is, is kind of iconic already when, with all due respect, how many people knew about that shirt before he, he moved outside of the region, you know? 
That's right. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, we're speaking about like the the Saudi League with all, you know, these uh, footballers that have come from Premier League clubs from Europe, and they've come from big clubs, Andrew. Not just like you know, they, they aren't players that you know, uh, you know, are at the end of the career. They've come from like Manchester City and Liverpool and and you know Manchester United. Um, I mean, Riyad Mahrez for, for for one had just won the Champions League with Manchester City, won the treble, playing for Pep Guardiola, and you know decides uh, in or you know, the time was right for him to move. So they are getting like uh, top quality players. Again, so again, you know, eyes are turning to to this uh, to this league, and we know that broadcast wise, you know, there's like over a hundred countries, you know, have started showing. And just as you mentioned now, you know, before that, you know, how many countries would have been showing these games? Probably not many. But now, you know, on the back of the interest in individuals, really. Yeah, drive there, and but then you know we do also see the other side of that that individual player power in, in the story you just touched on there with 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 uh, Benzema, you know, nobody's saying that he he was the key driver in, in the sacking of the manager, but these things happen, you know, you and you see it in France with Mbappe and the, the extended powers that he seems to have in Paris, and and yeah, it feels that the player power is is driving the game and is yeah. only going to increase, I think. Uh, Andrew, in the article, you spoke uh, to fans that were open about, pretty open and like very forthcoming about switching allegiances to follow their favorite players. Uh, did you find that surprising? I mean, you mentioned right at the top that, you know, you were, you know, to your surprise that one person said, I just watch football to, uh, uh, for enjoyment, you know. Did you find it surprising that people are, you know, happy to admit that they change? Uh, yeah, it's you know, not. It's not even a thing. If I said that when I was brought up in the northeast of England, you had two clubs to support, Newcastle or Sunderland. You know, if you decided something else and then you flipped, your life wouldn't be worth living. But the game isn't like that anymore. And and these guys happily admit that they follow the player, they admire the player, they respect the player. So that is the team that they'll follow. And, you know, I think the biggest learning, as, as we kind of touched on before the show, is that maybe these guys have the right idea, you know? We, you know, me and myself, and I know you two guys will torture yourself over the respective results of your clubs. It'll ruin your week, but but not for these guys. You know, they don't mind even if their team loses as long as their player has a good game. So maybe they've got the right idea. Andrew, you had you. There was a historical context as well. I mean, you mentioned uh, in the, again in the piece that. Um, I suppose before, maybe in the early days of, I mean, it's not right to call the early days of organized football, but like even in England, you know, where, uh, you know, some of the most passionate and sort of loyal supporters, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, in, in, in your neck of the woods, you know, certain fans would, would go watch Sunderland one week and Newcastle the next week uh, before, before the rivalry became a lot, lot more fierce. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't even know if it was before that, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I have to admit that, you know, where I was from, half of my friends, well, the majority of my friends were Sunderland fans. So occasionally when Newcastle were away, I would go and watch Sunderland. Um, and it's, it is something that was ingrained. This was about pride in the community and, and the region. And, you know, I always go back to something my dad used to say that he, he would always say, I just want all the teams in the region to do well. And he had that communi- sense of community and pride. And I could never understand that. But kind of looking back now, I can I suppose the interesting thing is is how this love of a player really impacts on on local communities. You know, does that take away? Does it detract? You start to move into the whole area of football tourism and how that affects atmosphere at these famous old grounds. So, so there's a lot to kind of take out of that 
subject really. We're only on the on the, on the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Andrew, you say that, and, and just just to, to back that story up, of course, we uh, as as presenter, but and as guest, we're we're Newcastle United. Um, there are that's our team. But you say that, and my father was the same, came from the same background of his father actually preferring to go and visit all of the Northeast teams, uh, whoever was at home in that region. And again, similar, he would say the same thing, wanted all the Northeast teams to do well. Um, another interesting aspect is is players' sons. If you look at um, certain players that, that, that I do know, their kids, wherever they went, they, they ended up supporting the, the the teams that their father played for. Um, I, I know Bobby Clark now at Liverpool uh, has, has has gone from supporting Newcastle United to Sunderland to Fulham to Birmingham, where he was a manager. So uh, again, another sort of aspect of that. But as as diehard Newcastle fans, I come back to it. Um, do you find yourself keeping an eye on exploits of, of former players that you know that always you had a soft spot for uh, for example you know I know that I check out Alan St. Maximin's progress on a weekly basis here at Al Ahly. Yeah I do I'm the same with, with, with Alan St. Maximin. I always was I mean I always remember um, when Gaza Paul Gascoigne left Newcastle United and that was my first sort of touch of heartbreak when, when yep. you think and while I was never remotely tempted to, to now follow Tottenham they were always a weird sort of second team for me and I always wanted him to do well and, and score goals and, and all that sort of stuff. So I guess really it's it's a natural a natural response when you when you love a player in a team. Andrew, uh so we've already touched on the fact that you you know um you didn't really judge anyone's preference uh, and you know accept that there's a place for different types of fans in modern football. But do you see a rise in this number of in the number of fans follow individuals in the future i mean obviously that's a it's a very very general question you know we we don't expect and it's not an exact science but uh you know with the people like uh mbappe um and uh, harland you you can imagine you know that sort of the new the two new superstars just like messi and ronaldo moving on wherever they end up you could imagine like millions of fans following them most mo salah as well at liverpool i mean if if mo salah you know there's a hundred million egyptians and and many more millions of Arabs and, and Muslims who follow, who follow him. If he was to move somewhere, they don't, you could imagine that team will, will have a lot of followers as well. Do you see that trend continuing? Yeah, I mean, to, to begin with, I do judge them silently, all of them. <laughs> uh, maybe not him, but, you know, it's up there. But, yeah, for sure, you know, as long as football continues on this trend, which it undoubtedly is of, of this, you know, player as a... As a commercial asset to the club which they are you know you you have the the move the shirt the documentary you know this is only going to get bigger and, and more widespread and i don't know maybe this is the key driver of football as we go forward who knows yep brilliant stuff listen andrew i'll get a shirt from alan st maximum for you um so we can definitely keep tabs on him and his <laughs> number he's going going great guns if you see his content on uh on social media at the moment, the backflips, the top, the top left bins uh, going, going great. Listen, it was great to have you with us. Hopefully, uh, you can come back on the show soon. Massive thanks to Andrew Nagy. Cheers, guys. Great stuff, AK. Uh, what can we look forward to this weekend? Well, uh, we'll be interested to see how Alethi had recovered from. 
you know, a slightly traumatic week. Uh, you know, obviously the, the the poor league form, the loss in the Champions League. You know, Santo leaving, the the Benzema uh, reports, shall we say? Uh, they are at home to Abha, and despite their troubles, you know, anything other than a win would be a massive shock. You know, I mean, mm. uh, look, we've been we've been burnt with some of our predictions this year, especially with Etihad. You know, we keep saying like, surely they're going to get, you know, they, they'll win this Your week. Your predictions, in my, my predictions. <laughs> None of yeah, and, <laughs> and he uh, and um, yeah, so they, you know, they, you know, we keep saying, yeah, you know, they'll turn the corner and they haven't. Uh, so I don't know, you know, like it'll be, it'll be interesting, but maybe if there were, uh, you know, if there was tension with Santo and uh, Benzema and some of the other players, yeah. maybe him leaving, you know, will will give them a bit of a, a bounce this week. We'll see, but you know you'd expect them to beat Abha uh, anyway. Uh, Al Nasser, I expect to win at eighth place. Al Wahda, uh, look, there's no stopping Ronaldo, Talisca, and Mane at the moment. You know they're playing absolutely wonderful football. Just this long run of wins. They're in second place. They're four points behind the leaders of Hilal, but expect them to win. Um, but the match of the weekend uh, is uh, Al Taawun's visit to Al Hilal. We're big fans of Al Taawun on the show. You and I, Peter, uh, we've been praising them all season, and they they go to the leaders, you know, sitting in fourth place. And you know, this is not just like you know, um, you know, a good start to the season. You know, this is you know sustained form here, um, and you know. They go to Al Hilal in fourth place and say, looking to crash the big boys party. You know, they, you know, they really are yeah. eyeing like a Champions, a Champions League spot. Uh, Would be a fascinating match. It, uh, it's a tall order for Al Taun. Let's let's be honest. But uh, should they win, could just be one of the results of the season. Absolutely, you're not getting out of a prediction. <laughs> uh, well, I think Al Taun will give it their all. I think they, they they've been wonderful all season. But Al Hilal to win a tight match, two one. Yeah, good shout. That uh, no pressure. Uh, the, all the pressure on the home side, of course. Listen, that's it for another episode of Dowry, and we'll see you all next week. As we say every week, whoever your team is, a good luck to them, and catch you soon. <laughs>